to the desperate and to the defeated, to the common, the average, the plain and the small, I want you to know you matter to God. To the washed up and the worn out, to the helpless and the hopeless, to the cast outs, the dropouts, the last picks and hypocrites, to the unimpressive and the underwhelming, to the nobodies and has-beens, to people just like me, you matter to God. You are not defined by your worst days or your biggest mistakes. And you are not the sum total of all your setbacks, slip-ups, failures, and faults. Because who you are is not determined by what you have, where you've been, or what you've done, but who Jesus declares you to be. You matter to God. Maybe at some point somebody told you something that simply wasn't true. That you're nothing but unworthy, unwanted, and unloved. But I want the loudest voice in your ear to be the voice that breaks the cedars and shakes the wilderness. And he says, you matter to me. Before the galaxies were born, or the first star gave light, before the ocean waves crashed, or the night sky cracked with thunder, before any creature crawled or any bird sang, before the planets were set in motion, he set in motion the plan of your salvation. From the highest heights of heaven, the Lord of all creation looked upon your desperation. He became like one of us to remake all of us, to make an orphan his child, to make a rebel his friend, to set the prisoner free. You matter to God. So to all the sons and daughters of God, to all my brothers and sisters in Christ, behold his power and glory and majesty. Behold the one who matters most. Amen. In coming to you this morning, it's, I'm doing something I didn't plan on doing. I thought the series that we had done on concepts was done. I thought that, but evidently God decided it wasn't. <laughs> so there's something I, I'm going to want to share with you, but I think it's important to understand as we walk into this idea, this understanding of concept, that we have been robbed. There's been a joy that has been taken. We, we have a base belief system, but we have found ourselves limited to a level that is far below what God has in store for us. And I'm not trying to bring you something that, I don't want to say this, is, is sensational. I'm not here to tickle your ears, okay? What I am here to do is what I believe God has called me to do, which is to teach, to, to, to grow, to shed light on what his word, what his, a relationship with him is, is all about. I know how I was raised. I know how I was brought up in the church. I know how a lot of things worked and how a lot of things took place. And I'm thankful that there's been a release from the bondage or the religious aspects of things, and to realize a freedom in Christ. But at the same time, if we don't understand the relationship, we'll misinterpret the freedom in Christ. And instead of becoming stronger, and instead of becoming, how do I want to say this, uh, mature, we just become more and more rebellious and walk further and further away from what is truth. And we end up like the Israelites in the book of Judges, each one doing what was right in their own sight. That doesn't work. So what I want to do this morning is I want to bring to you this, this, this part. I'm not going to say it's the last one. <laughs> I've gone down that, that, that road too many times. But I want to bring to you this, this next thought when it comes to concept. And I want to teach you something I believe this morning, I, I really honestly believe will change your entire life if you receive this understanding of concept. First of all, the one thing I want you to remember, the one thing I want to say to you, the one thing I've said to you every single time we've met on this, is that God has accepted you totally 
and absolutely. I don't care who you are. He has done so because that's who he is. I sat across from a young lady this past week, and she had been sharing how much she's been trying to do for God and earn his love and how she goes about this and that, but yet at the same time her past seems to mess her up and she falls here and, and there. And you know, it was so neat to sit there and tell her that the greatest day of my life came when I quit living for God. You know, you all know what I'm talking about. She had no clue. Her chin hit the table. She looked at me and I said, yeah, the best day of my life came when I quit living for God and started living from him instead. Then her eyes got real big. Then I had the opportunity to be able to share with her the fact that God loves you, not because of who you are and what you've done, but because you exist. He doesn't love you because you've earned it. He loves you because that's who he is. And, and, and I'll say this again. I'll shout it from the rooftops. God has accepted you. Turn, turn to your neighbor and tell him, God has accepted you. You mean thing, you? Totally and absolutely. That's why I can look at you and I don't care how mad, how disgruntled, how much you, 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 whatever, you know, you bark. I can look at you and love you because I know God totally accepts you. Absolutely. I'm going to stop right there. Else I'm going to get in trouble. So what I want to do today is I want to take a look at something that comes from the idea or the understanding of the way he made you. God made you to, 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 to live in a certain way, to think in a certain way. God created you with this one element, and I can tell you, even as you walk out the door, that this doesn't depend on whether you're a believer or an unbeliever. This depends on the reality of what God has created you with. So I want to take a look, first of all, at Isaiah 26, verse 3. I'm going to read it from the, from the uh, New American Standard Version at this particular point. I'll come back to the King James Version. You all know the verse, but there's something about the way it's, it's stated here that I just love. The steadfast of mind you will keep in perfect peace. The steadfast of mind, steadfast of mind, you will keep in perfect peace because he trusts in you. Now, let me say this first of all, as you come to that verse, and that is that that word mind right there, literally, look it up, don't take my word for it, is the word imagination. Say that word with me, imagination. In other words, the mind or the imagination, his imagination he will keep in perfect peace. Think about that for a second. His imagination, your imagination, he will keep in perfect peace. A steadfast imagination, he will keep in perfect peace. Wow, that's a mouthful. How does that even work? Well, the truth is, as, as we get into this, that last part, because he trusts... The truth is that we, we don't know how to trust. We've had so much trust broken in our lives, we don't know how to trust. We've also been taught that we shouldn't imagine. Imagination, understand something here, is, is seeing, okay? Let's just put it that way, seeing. It's, it's not a vision. W what we do is we, we see it. We, we picture it. In other words, within that ima our imagination, we begin to picture certain things, picture it in certain ways. And it even affects the way we smell or what we taste. Or, you know, it, it's, it's, this, it's, 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 we, it's the way we've created the humanity. It's not daydreaming. Uh, this, this, this is seeing what the future holds 
It's the movie of our hearts. It's the, the pulling us to the future. But here's the problem. And I'll confront you right where it starts. The problem is we associate imagination with fear. Truth without imagination, friend, is flat. It's empty. There is no life. I'll say it again. That, 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 <laughs> that we associate imagination with fear. I'm here to challenge you today to let the Holy Spirit capture your, your imagination. Because I believe, and I know it because I experience the reality that you can see what is not yet. And you can see it, and you can create it. Now stop right there, because I'm not talking about positive confession. That's not what I'm into. This is, is understanding the Holy Spirit capturing my imagination and what results in that because what happens is then I can see what is not yet that's totally scriptural and if you can see it you can create it I'm going to tell you flat out religion took imagination out of living we don't live with our imaginations we don't see the possibilities in our imaginations we don't look at the possibilities of what God can do in our imaginations. No, the church took imagination out of living. I, I love what Paul talks about, how he addresses back in Romans 6, the concept of sin versus grace, because what he's coming up against in Rome is a whole different picture of what's going on. Each one is captivated by their own bondages, by their own cultures, by their own religions, and as a result, they're coming up against each other, and the church is just in, in turmoil between the way Jews do things, the way this group does things, the way this group does things, and, and it's just one big, and he's pulling on the grace and the reality of versus sin, and he's drawing the picture for them to see it, see it, see it. So you have this man, Isaiah, who says that he, you will keep him in perfect peace. Y'all know what that word peace is in Hebrew, right? Sh oh, you're good. Shalom. 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 There, there's, you know, there's no word for perfect in our, in our language based out of the Hebrew right there. So it's shalom. And, and, and he says, whose imagination, shalom, whose imagination is stayed in the, in the, in the old King James, or in the new King James states, is, is, his imagination is stayed. Say that word stayed with me, stayed. Um, best way I know how to describe this is the word entangled. Um, we have a rhododendron bush out in, in front of our porch at home. And how, how many are familiar with <laughs> these, these creeping vines, I call them? And they wrap all in there, and you can't, you try to pull them out, and it's so entangled, it rips this part out, yet you're still not getting it, and you're trying to get to the root, trying to find someplace, you, and it just, not only does it entangle, but then it, it, it literally chokes the, I mean, that's the entanglement. Good luck in trying to, I get so frustrated with that stuff. But that's the picture here. That's what the word stayed means. It means that you need to see yourself entwined with him, entangled with him. What we do, and, and please, I hope and trust you listen very closely to what I have to say over the next couple minutes, okay, over the next couple, a lot of minutes. If you have a problem, what we do is that we see ourselves with the problem. And what ends up happening is we become entwined with the problem. We're making a place. We're making place for this entwinement in our life, in our imagination. We're picturing it in our imagination. We're seeing it. 
in our imagination. We're seeing how, how it can mess things up, take things apart, pull things down. So, so, so we, we're going through all this imagination entangled with the problem. And, and, and when you, you, you see it, it, it has substance to it. And, and, and I hope you know what I mean. Uh, you know, you're taking a look, you come entwined with a problem, and it's like, you know, it's so real and so, so much substance to it. Let me give you an example. For instance, if you tell your kids you're going to Disneyland, they're there. That's imagination, okay? And, and, and I mean, it, <laughs> they, they don't bother with the details, right? They don't see the plane ride. They don't see the cost. They don't see the hotel reservations. They don't see all the deals with all the crowds and everything else that's going on. They're not, not there yet, but they can feel it. Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, if, if, if you tell me that you ordered me a large pepperoni sausage and mushroom pizza, I'm there. Uh, forget about the cost, all the other stuff. You know, I'm pizza. Okay, but here, here's the point. Remember what Jesus said? He said, the hour is coming, but now is. Do you realize that's imagination? He's, he's, what he's sharing there in John uh, 6, 12 has to do with the finished work prior to his crucifixion. Let me say this point blank to you. Imagination is tomorrow's possibilities. Imagination is tomorrow's possibilities. In other words, it's the seed today that's a field of flowers tomorrow. You know, there's a big thing out there as far as people meditating, walking into meditation, doing their thing, clearing. That's not scripture. Okay, the Bible calls for us to meditate, does it not? And and when I when I say this, uh, it, it, uh, <laughs> oh, there's 16 places I want to go. I'm sorry, but understand that meditation is not emptying, but filling. You're not emptying your mind. You're filling your mind. Hello? I mean, I mean seriously. Um, Philippians, oh, I don't have the right verse in there. That, that's a verse we'll use, but I'm, I'm looking for, I didn't, I didn't put in Philippians. Let me, can, can you pull it up for me, please, on Philippians 4.8? I'm just going to say this while you're doing that, because I think it's important that you see the scripture here with what it's being, what's, what's being said. So, so I come back to it. Oh, it's already, I didn't have, it's not in your notes. It's up there, right? Okay. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, noble, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there are any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, fill, fill, fill. Don't empty. Fill. That's what, because I'm telling you what, when you empty your mind, you're vulnerable to anything to come in. But here we have these instructions from, from Paul, meditate on these things. As a man, I heard this already prayed this morning, as a man thinketh. That's old King James, isn't it? I'm sorry, that's just, I'm an old man. As a man thinketh in his heart. How do you do that? It's called imagination. Did you follow what I'm saying? Your heart brain is your imagination. Keep, uh, take a look at the verse there in Proverbs 4, 23. It, it says, keep your heart, your mind, your imagination, keep it with all diligence for out of it springs the issues of life. You... <laughs> I don't know if I put this in your notes, but you need, you need to have it. You are your delayed thinking. 
You are your delay. In other words, what you were thinking yesterday, you're becoming today. You are your delayed thinking. Let me say it and, and give you understanding to it. Hope is imagination in the Holy Spirit. In other words, expectation. Hope is expectation. Expectation is imagination in the Holy Spirit. And I'm saying it, in the Holy Spirit. And guess what all that produces? It produces trust. Take that verse from the beginning again. As, as you take a look at it in, in, in 4.23 here, or whatever it is. Uh, yes, 26.3. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. So, again, you will keep him in perfect peace. Shalom, whose mind, whose imagination is entwined with you because he trusts you. Hope is imagination in the Holy Spirit. It's a passionate expectancy. It's the seeing of it. Have you ever looked at somebody and seen them saved? Have you ever looked at a situation and seen it made whole? Not because you, you just, you, you, you're trying to, to make it work that way, but because of the heart, the imagination. You're seeing what might not be there right now, but I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt that hope is imagination in the Holy Spirit. And the problem is so many people have lost their hope. They've lost their imagination. They've lost their expectancy. But when I come back to it, I realize that all that expectancy and hope and imagination all produces trusts. You shall keep him in shalom because he trusts in you. So I want to go to the story to bring you to this. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, there's going to be three players here. Three players. Goliath, David, and Israel. So let's get the picture. <clears throat> Every morning, Goliath, you know, he, he gets up in the morning, and guess what's on his face? A big old smile. Because he knows he's going to crush whoever Israel sends out. He's got a smile on his face as he steps out because he, he, he knows that, that they can't stand up to this guy. This guy is the guy all around those short little people, you know what I mean? And he's talking you smack all the way through because he has done what? He has seen it in his imagination. He has seen it in his imagination totally destroying whoever Israel would try to send out. To do battle. And what he does is he goes down every morning into that valley and he shouts his imagination out to them. Trusts in himself. And in his mind, man, he can feel it. Again, it's imagination. So he puts out the challenge. You know, send me a man. Any man. Send him down to do battle with me. And if he, if, 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 he, if he does me in, if he kills me, then all of us, all of the Philistines, every one of them, not only the ones that are here, but the ones that are at home, in their houses, in their villages, we all become your slaves. However, if I beat your man and I slay him, you all become our slaves. Not just only the army. But all those in the villages, fields, pastures, they become ours. Do you realize that this had, become, that this had been going on every morning and every night for 40 days? That's 80 
over 80 confrontations that he has come out and he has proclaimed his imagination that he sees, that he knows. You, you, you realize 80 confrontations. And then there's Israel. And what are they? They're living in fear. They're living in hopelessness. They have their fears. Let me, let me say something to you. You might not like me for saying it, but I'm going to say it to you anyways. You need to hear it. As a coward, you enlarge your fears. Oh, yes, you do. As a coward, you enlarge your fears. I, I wish the speakers were working out in the lobby. In case anybody's hiding out there. As a coward, you enlarge your fears. Hello, somebody. Look, <laughs> they were passive. Their imagination. I understand this. I'm putting it together all in one spot here. These are the people of God, and there is no imagination. So they're ready to receive someone else's and make it their own. So they pick up this imagination. They're dreaming the same thing as Goliath, as that imagination. Understand, I'll say it again. You're de there's no imagination. So they're ready to receive someone else's and make it their own. So they pick up on Goliath's imagination. And Goliath's imagination has now become their imagination. Click, click. Do I get a soft amen somewhere? Look. Take a look at, at, at 1 Samuel chapter 17. And verse 1, it says, When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. I'll tell you straight up, imagination in the hands of a liar is a terrible thing. Imagination in the hands of the liar is a terrible thing. That's what is happening to so many believers today? You're believing a lie. It's become your imagination. You hear words. You hear seeds. You have experiences. Things are happening around you. But instead of knowing the imagination from the Holy Spirit, you're, you're, you're literally... Believing a lie and someone else's imagination. I'm going to just say it. I don't mean to get on a soapbox this morning, but anything to get taller, I'll be happy to do. But the state of the United States is in a crisis of imagination. And I believe with all my heart that that imagination is birthed in hell. And it's just like the words of Goliath that are coming out. We're in fear, so what do we do? We make that fierce imagination, that, that imagination ours. Because we've lost hope. We, we, we've got enough experiences, right? And we look at our experiences, but we've lost our imagination. We don't realize how the scripture teaches us to imagine. And that imagination being caught by the Holy Spirit to bring to us. Israel had forgotten their identification. They forgot who they were. Church. Believer. Don't ever forget who you are. I'm not going to spout off a lot of things of who you are. 
you just, see, it's one thing for me to tell you who you are. It's another thing when the Holy Spirit reveals to you who you are. You never lose that. Deuteronomy chapter 20. It's historically irrelevant to today, but but listen, listen, listen to what it says there. It says, when you go out to battle against your enemies and see horses and chariots and people more numerous than you and lions and tigers and bears, do not be afraid of them. For the Lord your God is with you who brought you up from the land of Egypt. That's their ID. Their identification. And you go through that entire chapter of of Deuteronomy 20 and what you have is instructions for them. Do not be afraid. The Lord who brought you out of Egypt, it teaches them how to do battle. How to stand the ground. How to be victorious in trusting. Oh, man. Take a look at it. In fact, Numbers 13. How many remember Numbers 13? You have 12 Navy SEALs that are sent out. Okay, 12 spies. And and something, same thing happens here. Their imagination goes crazy. Remember how they saw themselves? As little grasshoppers. I mean, what a way to see yourself. <laughs> Keep thinking of the movie, All Grasshopper. You know, and it's just, you know. <laughs> Hear me. The way you see yourself is how you'll walk. You will never grow beyond your imagination. Turn to your neighbor and tell him. You will never grow beyond your imagination. Friend, I want to tell you, there's a lot of believers living flat lives. There's no truth. There's no life whatsoever. It's just a flat life. There's no imagination. Their their life is just like on hold or they've succumbed to everything. They're just wanting to get along, make sure, you know, Make it through kind of thing. I don't, I don't care how old or how young you are. Imagination is the way God has created you. And imagination is what the Holy Spirit wants to bring out of you. He wants you to see what you otherwise would never see based on what you're looking at out here. But within here, your heart mind has eyes that see something. And when it sees something, whoa, look out. And I'm not talking about some. some oh. I'll get there in a minute. <laughs> a minute. <laughs> How much time? Oh, I'm doing good. No, no complaints this morning. Okay, maybe one or two. So here you got Israel, right? I'll say it again. The way you see yourself is the way you walk, and you will never grow beyond your imagination. So here you have Israel. And they come out to the edge of the cliff, and they go, and they run backward. I'm not going to run too high. I'm going to hurt myself. But but, but then they run, and they hide. They're hiding in the clefts. They're hiding in the caves there. They, They see defeat in their imagination. I don't care how loud they shout. What they're seeing is defeat. In their imagination. They're seeing that Goliath and the Philistines are more powerful than us. They're seeing that situation, that circumstance, that person as more powerful than me. Yeah, but you don't know what I did. You don't know the situation. You don't know. No, I don't. You you might be in that situation that that, that really the circumstances that are, are there are because of the actions you, you took. You messed up. It doesn't change who God is. He's not a magic carpet right out of the situation either. Hello. 
but he will be with you. He will be for you. He will protect you. He will keep you. He will bring you through every time. If you see that situation or you see those people uh, in your imagination and that, and, 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 and that they are more powerful than you, then you are defeated. I don't care how much you confess Christ. You're not meditating on those things that Paul talks about in Philippians. Okay, I'm sorry. But I know what happens because of this. To, what I call this, when, when people pick up this imagination, I, I call it a herd imagination. You have a herd of cows or a herd of sheep. Or this, is, this is a herd imagination. Do you, do you realize that we actually strengthen each other in our fears? We do. It's a herd thing. You, you know, listen, listen to a couple guys get together and talk about politics. Ooh. All they're doing is expressing fears. It's a herd thing. Look, and, and what, what, are the, what, what, does, what does Israel do? It's sort of like what we all do. We, we blame God. They blame Saul. They, they, they detest themselves. Now you got David. And David, I got cookies. But, as, as, I mean, he, basically he delivers the food. He is totally unprepared for what he was walking into. Oh, yes. The, the, the battle hadn't even started. It's 40 days, and the battle hasn't even started. It's been a month. No one else, no one else has David's imagination. He, he's, he's thinking in an entirely different way. I mean, his mind is totally out there in a different direction. And, and where everyone else sees Goliath, David only sees God. What he sees is his imagination. He's, he's ready to see real possibilities, expectations. He, he, he was not ready for what he found. He, he, hadn't, he, he hadn't come into the camp, oh God, I pray. He, he hadn't come praying about things. This is where he lives. It's where he sees Take, take a look at, at Isaiah 55, verse 11 here. It says, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void. It shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the things for which I sent it. Oof. <sighs> How many chew gum? Come on, be honest. I'm not talking about in church. You just, I have a, a, a thing of gum sitting in my cup dispenser in the car because I find that when I'm driving around other people, it's a good thing to have and chew to death. <laughs> How many know, I don't know about you, but when I get that gum in there, boy, it's so tasty. And I will suck the flavor out of that gum. You laugh at me, but you do the same thing. Do you realize it's what we're talking about here? To suck the flavor out of it, the word, the scripture. There's a passage in Joshua where they're getting ready to face Jericho, and he's giving them instruction about when you walk around that city. He, he's, he's telling them, he tells them, not a word shall depart out of your mouth, keep it in there. Just, just all the flavor you can out of it. Don't, 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 don't go telling anyone. Suck the flavor out of it. Let it saturate your life. Let it saturate your body. Then what happens when you do that? You become it before you can say it. When you're, I know it's probably not the nicest word in the world, but when you're sucking on that, 
I mean, I do the same thing with potato chips, so I don't want to hear it. But, you know, I'm, I'm just the flavor out of that. I do the same thing with God's word. Everything I can possibly suck out of it, I'll hold it. And then when I become it, I become it before I say it. Let it saturate your life, your body. This is David. See, David is right here, and, and he is soaked in it. If you're not, listen, listen. If you're not soaked with it, it becomes a formula. You think about that. If you're not soaked in it, it becomes a formula. I don't have that on the screen, but you need to write that down. If you're not soaked in that word, if you're, it becomes a formula. Oh, how many times believers are operating their, their walk of faith in formulas? He doesn't have to pray about Goliath. Hello? He, he didn't see himself as part of Goliath's imagination. Hello? He didn't see himself as part of Goliath's imagination. He saw Goliath as a part of his imagination. Hello. What did David say? He said to Goliath, the Lord shall deliver him into my hands. The Lord, he, he looks right at Goliath and says, the Lord shall deliver you into my hands. <laughs> you punky little kid. This is the imagination that David sees. You know what that means? It means I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me. Let your imagination take you on that. Do you realize what David has become? He has become the, represent, the representative of not just the army, but of every tent, every city, every child, every mother and father, every brother and sister, every grandma and grandfather, every one of Israel, he has become a representative of, as he steps out on that field, on that valley, as he's standing before this 12-foot beast, and as he stands there as that representative, whatever happens to David is going to happen to all the rest of Israel. All the rest of Israel is caught up in an imagination of Goliath and see themselves totally defeated, unable to move, sitting where they are, shaking in fear, tempers and frustrations, people wondering what's going to happen, what's going on. How do we deal with this? And little David walks into it because David's imagination was totally different than the entire army of Israel, which had the imagination of Goliath. <laughs> David picks up five stones you got to remember, too, what's happening here with the, with the helmet of, 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 of Goliath. There's not a spot, there's not an inch, there's not a, an area on his body that is open. Do you realize that the only hole that was there was where the visor that goes up and down on the helmet, where that joint was at, that's the only spot where there was a little hole. I don't care who you is. I don't care how good you are. Good luck in hitting that. But little David picks up five stones. I'm not going to get into any theology on the five stones. I'm just going to say there's only one little hole. How many remember that old song? Only a boy named David. Only a... Yeah, see, I don't. <laughs> but and around and around and around and around you know he, the whole thing is going down 
David, standing before Goliath, announces his imagination. He says, this day, this day, this day, this day, this day. David announces his imagination. No, 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 Goliath. I don't care how big you are. I don't care how ugly you are. I don't care how big your sword is, how wide your shield is. I don't care what your spear looks like. I don't care how many men you have behind you. It doesn't matter to me. I'm not seeing that imagination. I'm seeing the imagination that God has put in my heart. And as he stands there, he pulls out this well-worn-out sling. Little stone. Oh, you know the sound effects, don't you? And when he lets that go, only that little hole. Do you realize the rock had to be the right size to fit through that hole? And it couldn't have been a centimeter bigger. It, 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 it couldn't. It, it just had to be the right size. And obviously... If the imagination of David is being led by God, you can guarantee that stone was led by God as well. I want to say something to you that you might not get, but I hope you understand as you think about it. Evil is not bad. Evil is evil, period. Do you hear what I'm saying? Evil, it's not about being bad. That's the result of evil. Evil is evil. And it's not about not do or, or trying not to do bad things. Evil is evil. And evil is out to destroy truth, joy, strength, hope, imagination. My friend, I'm here to tell you this morning that what I'm trying to say here. Is, is I've watched it. I've seen religious bondage in all forms of religion that's out there. I don't care whether you're Presbyterian, Lutheran, Baptist, whether you're Catholic, Pentecostal, Assembly of God. I, 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 it, it, it doesn't matter to me whether where you come from. There's always been this bondage of rules and regulations and, and issues and problems. And, 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 and as a result of that, you know, we mess up in our imagination that gets, gets overtaken by evil that says to us, God can't do anything. God can't help. You're a mess. You'll never mount up. You might as well give up. You might as well shut up. You might as well sit down. I got news for you. That's a concept that is straight from the pits of hell. His acceptance of you is absolute and total. To receive what he has for us is what I'm referring to. So, so what we have is a church that's in anxiety today. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You know, I was, I, was, I was looking at the finances in the bulletin. I haven't looked at them for three weeks, and I see how low the budget is, right? How much has come in versus what the budget is? There's a big gap there. Why am I saying that? Because I'm going to make you feel guilty? No. You can do that all by yourself. No, I'm saying that because what I would normally do, oh my goodness, how can I correct this? What can I say? What can I do? How can I deal with it? How can I work it back up? <laughs> it's not my church. It is. I let him do what he, you know, I can look at that and get, let that have its imagination on me, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to let God be God and show himself for who he is. What I'm saying to you here this morning is your imagination has been taken hostage. It has been corrupted and, and molested. It has been put into a place where you can't possibly see any hope or expectancy. So there is no trust in God. Believe me, I can tell you that right off the bat. You don't trust God because you don't see what the Holy Spirit's wanting you to see in your imagination. You're not Guarding well, the, the, the well, uh, guarding your heart, the well of your thinking, your mind. I'm getting it all messed up, but you know what I'm saying. I'm trying to tell you this morning 
that there is an imagination that whatsoever things are good, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are noble, it just meditates. You imagine on those things. The anxiety of the church today is right where the enemy wants us. Impotent. Lack of power. Lack of trust. Lack of spirit. We walk in emptiness. And we're flatlined. For where there is no vision, what? We're not seeing. And what we do see, we interpret as how it affects us, me, myself, and I. And he's much bigger. David represented all of Israel, including the ones who weren't there. This would be called the David's reality. Reality Let me conclude it by saying this. God brought someone from the sheepfold to the pasture. He brought someone from the sheepfold I want you to see yourself. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I'm here to tell you this morning, if you are in Christ Jesus, God has brought you circumstances from the mishaps the hiccups from the failures he's brought you from that place of attack he has brought you from the situation of your spouse from sickness and disease. He has brought you out of them to a battle that's already been won. How big is your imagination in Christ? That feeling that lets you know the reality of that victory that is in you. Do you see yourself? Do you imagine yourself in that victory? Since it's been so fast imagining, feeling, what good's that going to do? Just more heartbreak, more hurt. People are going to think I'm crazy. Really, what difference does it make what other people think? only really what he thinks. Did I say you were supposed to come up with imagination? Let the Holy Spirit capture your imagination. I love the pictures he paints. I see true victory through painting from imagination. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for speaking into our hearts, into our souls, into our minds, into our bodies. May we begin to truly understand 
Spirit, in the name of Jesus, open the eyes of our understanding. Give to us a fresh and new, powerful revelation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. May we see, see, imagine, Captured by the Holy Spirit, that imagination, see what it means to walk and not lose sight. Let every believer in this place this morning know what it means to rise with a new sight, not nearsighted. And begin to announce. weapon formed against us will prosper. I'm tired of seeing the pits of hell fill the minds of believers with imagination that brings fear. But in the name of Jesus, may we gather with Paul and say, be Let us be filled. Filled. Captivated. By the imagination that the Holy Spirit has captured within our hearts and is showing us. Nothing is too difficult. With every head bowed in this place this morning, let me ask what otherwise would be a simple question. But the truth is, it's a battle. But God's proclaiming, he's announcing this morning an invitation to know him as Lord and Savior. To know him in healing and grace. To know forgiveness. If you're in this place this morning and your life is saying yes to Christ, yes to Jesus, would you write where you're at? Just slip up your hand as an affirmation. Say, that's me, that's me. I'm saying yes. I'm saying yes to that relationship with Christ. If that's you this morning, would you just slip that hand? Ooh, we just want to pray. We want to surround you in love, rightly decided, in the name of God. I pray. I pray. Holy Son of God. Holy Spirit, thank you for hearts and lives that are yes to you. In Jesus' name. Would you stand with me this morning? There's this overwhelming, gut-wrenching awareness that in this place this morning, there are so many who have had their imaginations ripped from them, their hope ripped from them, their joy ripped from them, their embitterness they're in strife. When it comes to God, they believe God because they don't want to not make it to heaven. But there's no trust in God. There's no stepping forward in God. God's let me down. And so we, through our morbid self-analysis, come up with all the excuse of why God probably let us down because we probably blew it there or said the wrong thing here or didn't live right here, or didn't do these things over there and everything else. 
You've bought into the imagination of the enemy. And it's time that the Holy Spirit once again capture their imagination. I say, today, today, the Lord has delivered that into your hands. This day. It's time to speak Jesus once again. Amen? It's time to speak Jesus. We're going to sing that song. And I want to invite you this morning. If God's moving on your heart, if God's moving on your life, then let the legs of you move as well. I want to open up these altars for you to find a place of prayer around these these, 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 these altars up here. There will be people that love on you and pray for you. Yeah. But there's something more taking place than just somebody coming and praying. God's wanting to heal your land, heal your imagination. God's wanting to heal you. So I pray this morning that you would step out in a way that only you can and find that place where God does what only God can. Yeah, I'm smiling. is running wild.